bullshit, it's all just um gay politics. America's gotten kind of whack, but we're not gonna let it go down like that, cause we got a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. We probably don't have all the facts, but we got opinions and we'll probably backtrack. That's why it's a dumb gay podcast, a dumb gay political podcast. Ooh, it's all shit, it's all shit. It's all shit. It's all shit. I mean, are we gonna die? I don't know. I, I, you're extreme. I am extreme. It's all shit. Uh uh. This shit is bananas. B A A A A S. This shit is Trumpanas. T R U M P A N A N A S. What? I don't know. I don't even know. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dumb Gay Politics. I'm Julie. And I'm Brandy. And this is the podcast where we talk about the week in politics like we're talking about reality TV. And this is our fifth ever Democratic debate special, meow meow. I know. It's so exciting. Today, we are abandoning the regular format for Dumb Gay Politics so we can bring you the highlights from last week's Democratic debate. And since this is our fifth ever Democratic debate special, we will now proceed with the recycled intro from the first, second, third, and fourth ever Democratic debate specials. That's right. So if this is your first time tuning in, welcome. We appreciate you joining our other 14 listeners, but just remember, this isn't a regular episode, so keep that in mind when you're getting irritated and offended. And also, we're actually more irritating and offensive on our regular episodes, which is why we only have 14 listeners. Um, I guess they're 14 masochists with mental problems just like us. That's right. And if you do get offended by anything in this episode, feel free to send us a message on our Patreon page. We try and read all of our messages and comments there, and we appreciate them all, even the rude ones. <laughs> and while you're there, leaving your rude message, go ahead and sign up. We offer one hour-long podcast a week for $1, or you can sign up for two hour-long podcasts a week for $2. No politics, no ads, no structure. It's just two hours of complete and utter <laughs> bullshit. Last week, we talked about the masked singer and Jared the Subway diet molester. And this week, we will be on the first leg of our Australia trip. So if you want to hear Julie talk about our mundane travel activities as Crocodile Dundee, then get on that $1 Patreon subscription, hunties. Ring, ring, Chardonnay. <laughs> if you know what I'm saying. Okay, it might be Crocodile Dundee to you, but maybe it's Babe and Bondi to a few of others. Well, when you do um, She's Great, Paula. She's Great, Paula? <laughs> that's more Crocodile Dundee <laughs> now, isn't true. it? That's true. That's not a knife. This is a knife. You've got, of course, you know a quote from the movie. You are so next level. You are such a little baby angel. Um, it's the most famous thing about Crocodile Dundee. Nuh-uh. Um, throw a shrimp on the Barbie, I thought was the most famous. Or is I that Outback Steakhouse? That's out- I think that might be Outback Steakhouse, <laughs> but it could, it could be Crocodile Dundee. The most famous thing is the guy, go, he's, he comes, he's finally, he's in New York after being blah, 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 and he gets mugged and the guy pulls out a knife and it's like a, you know, like a yeah. regular knife and Crocodile Dundee's like, that's not a knife. This is a knife. And then he has like a huge yeah. alligator killing machete knife. Well, I think uh, you're selling sh- short your Crocodile Dundee uh, character because you do have you don't just have Babe and Bondi. You've got many, many, many different Australian characters. Now you're you're bringing in a New Zealand, which no one has begun enjoying. We yet. don't know how that's going to turn out. <laughs> I think that they talk a little higher, but I'm not entirely. We're going to find out. We're going to find out. We're gonna oh, find I'm, out. And, and so is everyone who subscribes to the Patreon. <laughs> so if you're interested in that, our, we land in New Zealand in Auckland. So. 
um, on Wednesday. So the New Zealand uh, <laughs> accent search will begin, I'm sure, immediately on touchdown, if not hey, already guys. at the plane on the plane in the bathroom. Got to keep for the watching bathroom. myself some flight of the Concords and maybe you know a little little New Zealander. <laughs> we'll see. And before uh, we get going with the debates, though, Meow Meow, mm-hmm. we do want to thank Jen Jenis and Jody Jacobson sent us a Ruth Bader Ginsburg necklace tree ornament mm-hmm. for our Christmas ce- uh, celebration next year. Mm-hmm. Our Christmas tree and our Hanukkah bush. <laughs> you had your first tree this year. Mm-hmm. So we now will have a gator necklace Great. for Good. our tree. Would it be funny if I put a menorah on the tree? That would be great. You know what I mean? That would be perfect. You mean little menorah ornaments? Yes. That's cute. Like a menorah ornament on the tree. Well, the gator necklace is so fitting from from Jen and Jody because mm-hmm. our, they sent us a photo for the Drug Den Bulletin Board <laughs> last year, the year before, and it's them literally dressed as Ruth Bader Ginsburg yeah. at the Ruth Bader Ginsburg exhibit. Right. So we're going to that's going to be maybe next year. The tree will give the top of it will have the Ruth Gator Bader Ginsburg necklace. You know what I mean? At the very top. So it's like that's hanging down like a necklace. Oh, right. The owl tree topper can be the head in the necklace. Oh, that probably is what it's for. Mm -hmm. Brad Krillenberger, who you may remember from Chicago circa 2010. (laughs) Brad, Brad, even though you sent your photo for the drug den bulletin board, I can assure you, I don't think Julie remembers anything from 2010. Not not one single specific thing. Nope. So she did Some think you looked sorry. vaguely familiar. I looked at one of the photo, which um, one of them has Linda in it, and I didn't even recognize Linda. <laughs> we looked so young. And did you? Well, <laughs> I mean, I thought you looked the same, actually. Really? Yeah. I thought you looked the okay, same. Good. So that's great. Then I'm not going to say anything else. Yeah, no, you looked great. Linda looked great. Oh, my God. Linda looks like a little baby. Brad looks great. A preborn. Yeah. 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 I wonder if Brad and Linda James made love that night as 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 Brad Ooh. showed Linda around Chicago. I don't. Yeah. I, I wonder. I wonder. Inquiring I wonder. minds want to know, Linda. I wonder. Let us know, Linda. Um, Brad, now, you're going immediately up. And thank you for sending yeah, thank your you. note and your and your picture. Christine Snyder sent us an updated pic for the drug den. We have her wedding photo now, which we hate to part with. Yes, it's her and her now husband just after they got married. Like looks like they're running through the streets between all of their people at their wedding. Uh-huh. And she said one of them looked like they were pushing out a fart and we can't remember which one because they kind of both do which right. is so cute yeah 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 uh okay we well, love they, that photo christine yeah it's really funny so they sent us a note julie and brandy you should have a china's on care package to accompany this card sorry but i had to show my love and i cannot be bothered to take my lazy ass to the post office side note we got a huge package from christine back around christmas mm. with every single thing anyone could ever want and christine you officially are the person that got me a crystal meth sugar addict. <laughs> Officially. I, <laughs> I hope I covered the essentials for you both, the puppas and the pussy. I sent a wedding pic last year, but needed to send an updated picture showing that marriage made me fat. But more importantly, added two puppas of my own, Charlie and Lucy. As one of the 14, we are truly unworthy of your pure beauty and grace, eternally looking 24 years old. We worship at the feet of the goddess of all that is dumb and gay. Here is to money 20, Christine Snyder. Well, that's nice. So nice. God. Just the nice, Jeez. the nicest note, even after sending the huge box. Wow! From from China's on. Well, she should know that you um, are 
literally, literally, not figuratively, literally addicted to um, the sugar candy. The Red Hots. Yeah, the Red Hots. And it is, it is, it is like, I watch you do it. I'm like, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here it comes. I mean, it's, (laughs) yeah, it's a, it's a real, it takes real. It takes me over. I have never, ever been addicted to sugar and or candy like that and now it's like it takes me over to the point where I'm planning even with Julia I'm like should I bring a packet of Red Hots to Australia or is that just going to be am I going to be too crazy and oh and then also like a hyper child she has to care for yeah and even just sitting with the Sour Patch Kids or whatever and it's just like oh I had some Red Hots so I should be good and then all of a sudden I see like a crinkle and then what anyway so I mean it's it's good it's and Christine, good. I like it. Marriage did not make you fat. Okay, you look great. We're gonna put we're gonna put your updated picture beside your old one, which we don't usually maybe sometimes keep the old ones up, mm-hmm. but we love both, mm-hmm. and we love you. So thank you so so much. Yeah. Okay, now it's time to get going with our fifth ever dumb gay politics debate special. When you're running for the White House. And you want to get ahead You gotta get attention Or else your campaign's dead (laughs) Iowa, New Hampshire It's always been your dream And it might work out Just don't become a me Don't become a me you gotta keep your image clean Don't become a me Some things can't be unseen Everything you do ends up on YouTube Everything you do ends up on YouTube Don't you know that everything you do ends up on YouTube Everything you do ends up on you to Ruth. Keep this in your hair. Don't ever try to speak Spanish if you don't know how. El hombre del Pelequin. <laughs> All right. So last Friday, ABC News partnered with their local New Hampshire affiliate and held the sixth Democratic debate with all of the major candidates, except for Michael Bloomberg. It was Joe Biden, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Pete Buttigieg, Andrew Yang, Amy Klobuchar, and Tom Steyer. Now, real quick, it is the sixth major Democratic debate special, but for us, it's only our fifth because we did skip one because Mm -hmm. Andrew Yang didn't make the cut. Mm -hmm. It was my birthday. We were wasted on pills and... Yeah. Colorado. So we went ahead and skipped that one. (laughs) Okay. So for this debate special, (laughs) we pulled the clips and highlights that we found the most interesting or relevant. Okay. There are tons of things we couldn't include in the interest of time. So we apologize in advance if your favorite part or your favorite candidate doesn't get the attention it deserved. Again, send us a hate note on our Patreon yet or better yet. Leave us a bad review on iTunes. (laughs) A bad review is still a review and we like to get our numbers up, girl. So, the first topic up for discussion was electability. Mm-hmm. Already 500 of you have shut this off. <laughs> um, <laughs> and since Bernie Sanders and Pete Buttigieg both won the first primary in Iowa, the question on everyone's minds is, 
who can win in November. Now, a regular weed Democrat like Pete or a Democratic Socialist like Bernie, it's a pointless question posed to a biased audience. And per usual, the only one who had anything new to say on the subject was Andrew Yang. First, let me say, America, it's great to be back on the debate stage. <laughs> Thank you. I'm so excited. I want to give every American $1,000 a month. <laughs> Who laughed? George, Elizabeth Warren? Capitalism, socialism dichotomy is completely out of date. And the fact is, when people were talking about these economic models, they did not foresee technology getting stronger, more powerful, capable of doing the work of thousands of humans in the blink of an eye. We have record high corporate profits in this country right now, but people in New Hampshire know what else are at record highs? Mental illness, stress, debt, substance abuse, overdoses, suicides. What we have to do is actually get the markets working to improve our family's way of life. Instead of following GDP and corporate profits off a cliff, we should be measuring our own health and, well and wellness, life expectancy, mental health and freedom from substance abuse, clean air and clean water, how our kids are doing. The way forward is a new human-centered version of capitalism that actually uses the markets to improve our family's lives wow i mean we pretty much tick every box mental illness <laughs> substance abuse dirty water not doing well not healthy food can't really get a job <laughs> right can't move forward right. <laughs> need that thousand dollars yeah. everything's a dead end i mean yeah he he has a way of saying these things that is so like he just understands what people are going through and he really has such an empathetic way of expressing it. And and I feel when he talks, I feel like he can fix it. Yeah, I feel comforted for sure. And also, it's a new it's a new take on rather than choose between, you know, regular weed, you know, Democrat and Democratic right. socialism. He's just like, it's antiquated. It's outdated. And yeah, it's the wrong fucking question. Yeah. And no one fucking cares. Right. Vote for who you love and who you even if you don't love them, vote for your with your gut. Mm -hmm. That's what we need to be doing. That's what the primary process is for. Yeah. So everybody trying to like it with laser precision, say who can beat Trump. Right. It's just annoying quite frankly it is annoying so the next topic it that came up was health care mm -hmm. also boring exactly uh the whole thing was boring <laughs> we're gonna go first to joe biden who addresses the issue of medicare for all which bernie sanders and elizabeth warren support and want to do joe biden addresses that right off the top look bernie says that you have to bring people together and uh, we have to have Medicare for all. But Bernie says, and he says he wrote the damn thing, but he's unwilling to sell us what the damn thing's going to cost. The fact that we're in New Hampshire, very level-headed group of people, look at the numbers. How really? much is it going to cost? Who's going to pay for it? It will cost more than the entire, the entire federal budget we spend now. More than the entire budget. The idea middle class taxes aren't going to go up is, out of, is just crazy. When they did it in Vermont, what happened? They doubled the state income tax and then had a 14% tax on withholding. And they finally did away with it. So how much is it going to cost? When Bernie asked Bernie that, I'll ask him again tonight sometime. If you ask Bernie that, he says, go figure. I don't know. We'll find out. 
I think that was on CBS. He said, we'll find out or something to that effect. Imagine you're going to unite the country, walking into the Congress, and say, I got this bill. It's going to provide Medicare for everybody. I can't tell you how much it's going to cost. We'll find out later. It's likely to be double whatever than everything we spend in the federal government. Who do you think is going to get that passed? I busted my neck getting Obamacare passed, getting every Democratic vote. I know how hard it is. Here's Bernie Sanders responding to Joe Biden. There go the Red Hots. <laughs> Senator Sanders. Well, for a start, well, for a start, what the studies show, if we do what Joe wants, we'll be spending some $50 trillion on health care over the next 10 years. That's the status quo, Joe. That's what Health and Human Services says. And what we have taxes. got to do, Joe, sure. what we have got to do is understand. Simple question, Joe. We are spending twice as much per capita on health care as do the people of any other country. Maybe it has something to do with the fact that the health care industry last year made $100 billion in profit. Maybe it has something to do with the fact that we are wasting $500 billion a year trying to administer thousands and thousands of different plants. What Medicare for All will do is save the average American substantial sums of money. Substantial, be much less expensive than your plan. And we will expand Medicare to include dental care, eyeglasses, <laughs> hearing aids, and home health care as well. So, so here's what Amy Klobuchar said, and she sums it up. I keep listening to this same debate, and it is not real. It is not real, Bernie, because two-thirds of the Democrats in the Senate are not on your bill, and because it would kick 149 million Americans off their current health insurance. You can't pass the Senate, you guys, no matter what. Years. No matter who owns it. It won't pass it. Elizabeth wants to do it in two years. And Pete, while you have a different plan now, you sent out a tweet just a few years ago that said, henceforth, for with, indubitably, affirmatively, you are for Medicare <laughs> I mean, for all. She for is growing ages. on so me so hard. I would like to point out that what leadership is about is taking a position, looking at things, and sticking with them. I have long believed that the way that we expand health care to where she gets lost. and bring down premiums is by building on the Affordable Care Act with a nonprofit public option. That is the best way to do it. And building on the Affordable Care Act this. is the best way to the do it. The Affordable Care Act is now nearly 10 points more popular than the President of the United States. So why would we talk about blowing it up? What we need to do is build on it mental health care, addiction, long-term care. Those are the things that would make Senator it better. Warren and Mayor I loved when she said this is not a real it's not a real not debate because she's absolutely right. And that's the other thing to think about that. None of that is going to pass. So regardless, you know, if Elizabeth Warren goes in and submits a bill or whatever, builds on affordable, the affordable character, which I think is what she would do and what she's going to have to do. I mean, she's right. She's absolutely right. Do you know how hard it was for Obama to get Affordable Care Act passed. It was like yeah. damn near impossible. Right. And he made it his legacy. And it was pretty much the only thing motherfucker got done yep. uh, with all due because I love him. And just to speak to really quick about any of the plans that they have it's all going to have to pass the senate in the house mm -hmm. and the only one that the the only outlandish plan that even seems like it could get done is the andrew yang thousand dollars <laughs> because of the fact and andrew yang has spoken to this before because it's so crazy and because people he knows people would go to the polls and vote for that thousand dollars if say he takes the the bill to the Senate and the House and the Senate, let's say Mitch, let's just take Mitch McConnell, who's the Senate majority leader. He then won't bring it up for a vote. 
Everyone in Kentucky will be furious to know that their senator that they elected was the person who stopped the thousand dollars. No one else is going. No, people are not going to get up in arms because someone else's kid doesn't get free college. Right. right. All of those things, right. free college, right. taking away student loan debt, right. Right. free health care for everyone. Right. All of these things are could possibly be pie in the sky. 100 percent. So it's important to keep that in mind if if that is what you're voting on, saying I want my child to have free college or I just got out of college and I want my student loan debt taken away. There's no guarantee that that's going to happen no matter what the the candidate is promising you. Right. So here's what Elizabeth Warren has to say about health care. So I think we need to think about health care a little differently. And that is 36 million Americans last year couldn't afford to have a prescription filled. And that includes people with health insurance. I want everyone in here to think about what that means. They were worried enough or sick enough that they went to a doctor. A doctor looked at it and said, that's serious enough to write a prescription. Doctor looked at it and went, oof. They walked out and then said, <laughs> it's either that or groceries. It's that or pay the rent on time. We have got to change our health care system the way I help to the most people as quickly as we can. How about we start with what a president can do? I love saying this all by herself. On day one, I will defend the Affordable Care Act and I will use March in orders to reduce the cost of commonly used prescription drugs like insulin and HIV AIDS drugs and EpiPens. We can start That's making health care better for Americans from the beginning, but we have to agree to do that. We are the Democrats. We are on the side of expanding health care. When we come up against Donald Trump, the team that has been trying to take away health care from millions of people, what's going to matter most is we are the people on the side of those who need health care across this country. That's who Democrats are. That's right. Yeah. So now let's listen to Bernie Sanders go in again. At the end, no, at the end of the day, we got to ask ourselves a very simple question, whether it's health care, in fact, or anything else. Why are we the only major country on Earth that doesn't guarantee health care to all people, pay the highest What is asking that question do for, for anyone? Prescription drugs, have 87 million people uninsured or underinsured, 30,000 die because they don't get to a doctor on time, and 500,000 people going bankrupt for what reason? Because we're a selfish because capitalistic society. That's why. <laughs> we got to ask that Capitalistic award. Why have we been talking about yes. healthcare in this country for a hundred years? And here is the answer. If you want real change in healthcare, at the end of the day, you're going to have to take on the insurance companies and tell them the function of healthcare is healthcare for all, not huge profits for the insurance companies. You're going to have to take on the drug companies and their corruption and their price fixing and tell them, sorry, we're not going to pay 10 times more for prescription drugs than do the people of other country. But at the end of the day, there's no way around it. You may want to nibble around the edges, but ultimately we need to rally the American people to tell the drug companies, to tell Wall Street, to tell the insurance companies, to tell the fossil fuel industry this country belongs to all of us, 
not a handful of George, special I'm sorry, but it's a rhetorical question that he gave a rhetorical answer to. You're asking, why are we the only country that spends this? Why are we the only country that treats people like this? Why are we the only country with this homeless problem? Why, why, why? And then the answer was, we need to take on how? <laughs> Tell us fucking how. That's right. what you're there for. Oh, we all need to take on the drug companies by rallying around and doing what? There was a million dumb bitches put on pussy hats and went out in the streets <laughs> to tell Donald Trump to fuck off and nothing happened. Exactly. Rallying around right. isn't a, it's not a real thing. What do you mean rally around and vote for you? And then how are you going to quote unquote take on the drug companies? You need to tell us what you're going to do. Right. It's so infuriating. Pete Buttigieg does it a ton too in this yeah. debate. And again, I like them all and they're, they're all, everyone's on the same side here, yeah. but it's just like, we don't need rhetorical questions with rhetorical answers. We just right. don't. We need factual, tangible plans. plans. And you know who's got them? Elizabeth, Elizabeth Warren. Warren. But here's Tom Steyer, like Amy Klobuchar, <laughs> deciding he's going to fucking, he's just sick of it. Listening to it, he's sick of it. Yeah. This conversation on this debate stage from these people now every single debate and they're all right everybody on this stage is better on economic justice and health care than anybody in the republican party and a million times better than donald trump that is not the question in front of us today the question in front of us today is how are we going to beat donald trump you were in the clinton campaign in 1992 and the mantra was it's the economy stupid well, if you look at what Mr. Trump is saying, he's saying those words. It's the economy, stupid. I trust every one of these people a million times more. But we're going to have to take Mr. Trump down on the economy because if you listen to him, he's crowing about it every single day and he's going to beat us unless we can take him down on the economy, stupid. And that's the issue here. It is not about who has the best health care plan. All the health care plans are better, a million times better. The question is, who can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with Mr. Trump? Who can take down Mr. Trump because he's the real threat to the country? And let me say, you have to have experience to take him down. This is not a question of he's a nice guy who's going to listen. We need people with experience. That's why I'm worried about Mayor Pete. You <laughs> need to be able to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with this guy and take him down on the debate stage or we're going to lose. And that's actually the issue in front of Democratic voters. I have heard this debate so many darn times and I love all these people and they're all right. We can, if we win, we can get the right thing, Bernie. I am with you. If we win, we can get the right thing, Pete and Amy. But we got to win or we are in deep trouble and we keep not talking about the facts. Mayor How nice would it be to be able to have enough money to be on that debate stage basically as what we do while watching TV? That's right. literally what he's doing. And he's I'm, trying to shape the message. Yeah. And yeah. I and, and when we watch the debates, we go, what the fuck are you talking about? We've heard. We don't want to hear this anymore. He has that mo enough money yep. to go on that stage and actually tell that to their faces. Yeah. I'm not mad at it. He does it several times throughout the entire debate, which is why we even included him, um, because he's trying to shape the message for the Democratic Party. And it's important. Somebody's got to do it because certainly the D, you know, the DNC isn't doing it and hasn't been doing it since the Hillary Clinton debacle. Right. So. Right. So we'll close out, out the subject with Andrew Yang, who says Trump isn't the cause of all of our problems. And and it's true. I mean, although Tom Steyer is right, it's like 
they're trying to differentiate themselves from each other and certainly beating Trump is important. But at the end of the day, what are you going to do when you get in there is yeah. also important. And that's mm-hmm. what they're trying to say. Sorry, Tom knows he's never going to end up there. Uh, ne- never. So he just wants <laughs> to sit here and be like, how are you going to beat Trump? And yeah. it's like all he wants to hear about is the economy, which is his fucking problem because he's rich. And that was the problem with Trump. All they want to talk about is money, money, money. And that's fine. It's all we want to hear about. But we want to hear about how we're going to get some. That's well, it. exactly. So that's why we only want to hear from Andrea. Right. And we I don't understand why Trump is able to make, um, you know, somebody in Kentucky believe they're going to get money when they live in a trailer or whatever. Well, let's say the same. Let's say the same exact income bracket I'm in, which is zero, nothing. Right. right. That person believes that Trump is better for them. I obviously don't believe that, but for they believe it because they they think that the a, a Democrat is going to get in there and tax them to death, and they can barely live on what they make already, and they don't want to have to pay for someone else to X Y Z through their taxes. They think they're going to be taxed to death. They don't want social programs. They don't want to spend. They don't even. Look Meanwhile, at, they're on social programs, right? Just maybe, just saying. maybe some of them, but yeah, that's why. Right. Here's Andrew Yang. Fundamentally, you are missing the lesson of Donald Trump's victory. Donald Trump is not the cause of all of our problems, and we are making a mistake when we act like he is. That's right. He is, he is a symptom of a disease that has been building up in our communities for years and decades, and it is our job to get to the harder work of actually curing the disease. Most Americans feel like the political parties have been playing you lose, I lose, you lose, I lose for years, and you know who's been losing this entire time? We have, our communities have, our community's way of life is disintegrating beneath our feet. That's why Iowa, a traditional swing state, went to Trump by almost 10 points. That's why Ohio, a traditional swing state, is now so red that I'm told we're not even going to campaign there. That's insane. These communities are seeing their way of life get blasted into smithereens. We've automated away 4 million manufacturing jobs and counting. We're closing 30% of New Hampshire stores and malls and Amazon. The force behind that is literally paying zero in taxes. These are the changes that Americans are seeing and feeling around us every day. And if we get to the hard work of curing those problems, we will not just defeat Donald Trump in the fall, but we'll actually be able to move our communities forward. And he also, I mean, saying, let's get to the hard work of solving those problems. But it's true. Like, just give us your thousand dollars. That's it. (laughs) He knows at the end of the day, give people a thousand dollars. They're they're cool. They're going to be like, all right, great. You think I'd be a lot less bitter about Amazon paying no taxes if I had a thousand dollars from the government. Right. I do want to say that that's the concept of winning and losing and beating and, you know, beating Trump and this whole thing has it is getting annoying. And it's and I've noticed it so much more since since Trump since 2016 it's like we're on two different sports teams and it's all for a lot of people for many people it's about winning and just like Andrew Yang said and I gotta say I said that to Julie driving in the car like a week before this debate I said it's everybody's so caught up in winning and losing and at the end of the day we all lose anyway if we don't figure out a way to make money why (laughs) do you think I agree completely completely agree with you and I also wish that an Andrew Yang or one of them would speak would speak directly to Trump voters. And I do think, though, that there would be there's some um, benefit in being like, here's what Trump is actually doing. Like, I feel like that there's a thing where they're like, Trump's horrible. He's bad. He's racist. He's sexist. He's bad for the economy. He only wants to help rich people. But that's still very general. And I don't know what that means. So 
but wait, but I don't understand. He says the economy's good and the stock market's up and I know that I'm going to get some jobs with him. So what do you mean? Speak to speak to that. Yeah. Well, that's speak what to mean, it. that would have to be him going to the red states the way Trump went to. Yeah, well, they should all be going to the fucking red states. Yeah. And Andrew Yang, don't be afraid to go to Ohio and say, here's what's actually happening to you. Right. Rather than even that's fine. You want to speak to the Democrats and blah, blah, blah. You don't really even really need to. What you need to do is, and I think. Tell the blue collar, the middle class, the under middle class, the below middle class exactly what is happening to them. Now, they might not care if they're pro-life and they hate faggots and Jews and (laughs) fucking women and fine. There's no way you're going to get them. That's fine. But for the people who are like economy, 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 you better break that shit down. I want that shit to be broken down in such a basic way where you're at. You're talking to us like we're 12. Well, Tom Steyer speaks to it later um, and he says that he wants that Trump voters need to know yeah jobs are up but the jobs don't pay enough exactly so they're crappy jobs with crappy paychecks and jobs are also up because people have two and three jobs and people that's why the job numbers are up right and the people and there are people because I met I remember this woman sticks out in my mind where she's like but the economy's up but the economy's up people have more jobs and I was and I said to her I was like people have multiple jobs really well I didn't know that it's like you don't know that because you live in the Hollywood Hills you live you're rich so you think everything's fine you hear the word that the jobs are going up like people have three fucking jobs and still can't make enough money yep you fucking cunt (laughs) (laughs) so okay so now they address the fact that Hillary Clinton went on Howard Stern and said that no one likes Bernie. No one in the Senate <laughs> likes him. He can't get anything done. He never compromises. So they basically pose the question to Amy Klobuchar because she's she's collaborated with Bernie on like several bills. If he's elected, will he be able to get Republican support for anything he wants to do, being that Hillary Clinton put him on blast and said nobody likes him? <laughs> The Democratic Party's last presidential nominee, Hillary Clinton, has criticized Senator Bernie Sanders' record in the Senate, saying nobody likes him, nobody wants to work with him, he got nothing done. Senator Klobuchar, you serve with Senator Sanders in the Senate. Is he going to be able to get the support? Not if you, not if you like it, but is he going to be so able Joe to Bi- get the support? So Joe Biden hugged him. That's why everyone's cheering. Bernie just fine. Uh, we actually have worked together on a number of things, including pharmaceuticals. Uh, we actually had a vote late at night one time, Klobuchar Sanders amendment to bring in less. I- Sanders, no, no, no. 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 <laughs> okay, to bring in asshole. less expensive drugs from uh, other countries. They are just healthcare. a quick yes or no. Do you think that Mr. <laughs> Rep- uh, Senator Sanders will be able to get Republican support in order to pass his bills? Um, that I don't know. I know we did on um, that bill, but the no. point is, I think we're better off with someone that has the receipts, someone that has actually won big time with Republicans and independents. And I'm the only one up on this stage, you can check it out, that has consistently won in red congressional districts. Not once, not twice, but three times. I love that she's like, yes or no, will he be able to get support? I'm like, I'm pretty sure she answered it when she said, I like Bernie just fine. (laughs) Right, right. It's a bitchy question. It so makes everyone feel weird. Of course, they had to bring it up because it's like the thing that everybody's talking about. Right. And Hillary had to fucking she yeah. fucking threw her tampon in the wind. It was like, suck my blood, bitches. And was just like, fuck you all. Yeah. So fine. And then everyone had to fucking feel weird. And of course, the Democrats are the only ones in, in these debates or whatever. You think that in a Republican debate, it would be like, um, 
Ted Cruz. Yeah. Do you like Marquio <laughs> Rubio? Marquio Rubio? <laughs> or just right. like, do like, people even like him? Can, can, I don't know. Yeah, it's like, and they'd all be like, yeah, everyone hates, we all hate each other and everyone hates us. We're despicable, <laughs> awful human beings. Yeah. And I mean, on. no one likes us and that's not even the issue. It's also shitty to ask other people which is what they did all night. Well, exactly. Whether it was about Hunter Biden. <laughs> right. They ask a question right. about Hunter Biden to Pete Buttigieg, which we didn't even include because it's like, right. who gives a fuck? If you want to ask about Hunter Biden, ask Joe Biden. Right. If you want to ask about Ber- no one liking Bernie Sanders, look at Bernie Sanders and say, word on the street is no one likes you. How the hell are you going to get anything done? And have him address the fact that right. no one likes him. Why are you asking Amy Klobuchar, who has no choice, standing literally next to him, mm-hmm. who's just going to go, yeah, no, he's fine, which is what I she mean, said. plus her whole, I mean, she is the queen of the of a tree with shady, shady leaves. Right. I mean, I like Bernie just fine. Right. So now here comes Bernie Sanders, who insists on the, on answering the question, and I don't blame him. Yeah. But let me just say this. I think the question started off with Secretary Clinton's critique. I, I think, quite honestly, as we face one of the great political crises facing America, our job is to look forward and not back to 2016. And I hope that Secretary Clinton and all of us can come together and move in that direction. Now, second of all, in terms of Republicans, let me say that in my own great state of Vermont, my memory is correct, Amy, I got 25% of the Republican vote. In Vermont. In fact, there were periods when I was in the House of Representatives a number of years where I passed more amendments on the floor of the House in a bipartisan way than any other member of the House. And that is when you when you bring people together on an issue. There are many conservative Republicans, for example, who are concerned uh, about right? civil liberties. So. At least they used to be concerned about civil liberties. There are Republicans, as you know, who are concerned about the high cost of prescription No, there's not. Drugs. No, not now. There are ways that we can work with Republicans on issues where we have a common basis. That's not Let's true. That. There's just no common basis anymore, I no. don't think. I think right now, that's we're so beyond that, I think. He's bringing up, he had the opportunity to speak to it. Yeah. And if anything, he just should have said, I'm going to do my damnedest right. in addition to campaigning for myself to get back the house and get back the senate so that or keep the house and get back the senate so that we don't have to worry about it so i have democrats on my side because the truth is republicans and democrats cannot work together it all comes down to the majority right now that's the truth we don't want to hear about his voting record in vermont 25 fucking years ago exactly so then they move on to an issue close to our heart the opioid epidemic (laughs) (laughs) so pete Buttigieg is the first one to address what he did in in Indiana as the mayor of South Bend about South Bend uh, about drug use Indiana New Hampshire has one of the highest rates of deadly overdoses in the country in some cases police and paramedics tell us that they are saving the same lives again and again sometimes more than once in a single day it's well they gotta go issue, but it's also so much more Mayor Buttigieg, you have described yourself as a moderate, but one of your policies at least goes further than some on the stage with you are willing to go. You have called for the decriminalization of all drugs. Does that include heroin, meth, and cocaine, some of the drugs that- Fingers crossed. No, what I've called for is that incarceration should no longer be the response to drug possession. 
I love how mad this lady is. Again, what I'm calling for is that we end the use of incarceration as a response. What punishment do you want? Yeah, lady. Well, even him. Or distribute those kinds of harmful drugs. But also, as we know from the opioid crisis, some of this has been driven by companies that were acting irresponsibly with substances that were lawful. It's why in South Bend we sued those companies to hold them accountable. We've got to make sure that there is accountability for those who suppress evidence about the addictiveness of those substances, even while we're also coming to recognize that these kinds of addiction are a medical issue, not a moral failure on the part of somebody battling that addiction. That's why medication-assisted treatment is so important. I don't know. Those people who are being Whoops. revived and, and our own EMTs in my city have been so frustrated by the experience of reviving somebody, but then they have nowhere to go. Sometimes you get brought back with a dose of Narcan, but then your life depends on whether in the days that follow you make it until somebody can actually see you because we have such a shortage of mental health and addiction providers in this country. We must act to change that and save lives when we do. I liked his answer, but I do mm -hmm. I do find it confusing that he says he wants to decriminalize drug use, but he does he he wants to still keep it illegal or still keep it a criminal behavior. He just doesn't want to penalize it with incarceration. So my question to him then is, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to do fines? Do you want to do probation? Do you want it on people's records? What exactly do you mean? Because he still wants to have distributing drugs and taking them illegal. That's what he said. Yeah, and I can't find anywhere where he says I can. If you go to his his website or whatever, you can see the plan of like deregulating and the 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 opioid and this and that and the other thing. With you know, we need more mental this, we need more blah, 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 we need more addiction. Blah, blah. But there's nothing about what you're saying decriminalizing. So, so you can say you're going to decriminalize it, but then what's the reaction to it? So right. it's like we, now we're going to. What are you going to do? So that I can't find. Right. But that's not to say he's. It's not there. I just can't find it. But yeah. It, uh, now, he's, well, he's straddling the middle of the road. He right. wants to say, and that's pretty much his. That's that's his game, and that's that's well, how he's going to try to win. But right. he wants to say it's wrong, and I want to still keep it illegal, but I'm not going to, you know, penalize it with incarceration. Well, what are you going to do then? And that's what we want to know. But so Andrew Yang brings up an issue that I think is great, which is that people are walking around addicted, and even as young as in high school, particularly in the opioid epidemic, and can't get help because. Basically, they're they're doing what is essentially illegal, which is taking illegal right. drugs. So they right. then can't get help to get off of the drugs. You've said you would decriminalize opioids, but you've also said that you would require all overdose patients to go to mandatory treatment centers for three days. Well, right now in New Hampshire, there aren't enough beds Again, in treatment pissed. centers and across the country. How would you make sure treatment is available for all overdose patients? And what would you do to fill the gap in the meantime? That's what we have to change, Monica. I've heard heartbreaking stories from families here in New Hampshire that have been destroyed, torn apart by the opiate epidemic. And you have to look at the companies that profited to the tune of tens of billions of dollars. They need to provide the beds. In profits of Agreed. essentially blood money. As president, we will uh, take back those profits and put them to work right here in New Hampshire so that if you are seeking treatment, you have resources to be able to pursue it. We, this is not a money problem fundamentally. This is a human problem. But money cannot be the obstacle. 
This is something that happened on the government's watch. The government allowed this opiate epidemic to spread throughout our communities, and we have to do everything in our power to actually make sure that if you are seeking treatment, you know you're not going to be sent to jail. We have safe injection and safe consumption sites for you. If you have a family member who's struggling, you can refer them and know that they're not going to have criminal penalties as a result. There is so much about this that's endemic to what's happened throughout the country in terms of companies running amok, this hyper-corporate capitalism where if money's on one side in this country and people are on the other side, the money is winning. You can see it with the opiate epidemic, you can see it with the military-industrial complex, the fossil fuel companies. This is what we must change, and that's where I'll lead as president. Yeah, I think you're right, too. The, the company should provide the beds. And also, crack is um, because of the government. Every drug that gets in in here is the government's fault. Yeah. So if you are a cokehead or a fucking meth addict or a whatever, you should be able to get treatment without being criminally oh, pursued. Absolutely. Because the only reason it's here is because of the government. Absolutely. And, fine. and I and deregulate that shit. And I do. And I agree with them that every drug needs to be decriminalized and de made whatever illegal. I think <laughs> I do. So then they ask Amy Klobuchar about her voting record and her history as an attorney. She prosecuted like a lot of drug cases and they want to sort of be like, you know, you what's the deal with that? Now, as a prosecutor, you embrace tough on crime policies, even with drug offenders. You've also spoken many times about your father's own addiction issues, his own alcoholism and his DUI arrests. If addiction is a disease, should people be arrested for it? And as a prosecutor, do you regret sending people with substance abuse issues to jail? Um, I led one of the most successful drug courts in the country in Hennepin County. And I always would say and believed, and I think my record shows this, um, that we weren't a business. We didn't want to see repeat customers. <laughs> and if you don't want to see repeat customers, the only answer is treatment. And maybe you're referring to some of the people who were dealing big time in drugs. Uh, yes, I felt that we should prosecute those people. Uh, but when it comes to, and you asked uh, Mr. Yang, a question. I think it, we owe it to the people of New Hampshire to have had one of the biggest addiction rates in the country and death rates when it comes to opioids to explain how we will pay for the treatment and the beds. I've been very clear about this. There's going to be a major settlement coming through, a federal settlement against all these opioid manufacturers. The evidence is is overwhelming including an email where one guy a business guy says to the other they're eating them like doritos just keep pumping i them love out. doritos we will get a conservative <laughs> estimate 40 billion dollars oh, we, <laughs> we can put a two cents per milligram tax on opiates that brings in another 40 billion uh, then you can close a hedge fund loophole that brings in 18 billion dollars and just like every other policy i've proposed and i think new hampshire voters should care about this i have showed how i'm going to pay for it uh, because I think we have someone in the White House that has told over 15,000 lies. He makes all kinds of promises. The people of New Hampshire and the people of our country deserve better. I will get this done and it is personal for me. Great. So then they move on to <laughs> the Supreme Court that includes abortion, pro-life and you know, all that stuff, which we never include because fuck off with that. And everybody agrees and everybody lies about what they're going to do. And they're going to codify it the minute they walk through the right, door and they right. never fucking do it. Right. So the, the what we do find interesting, though, is the question of expanding the court, changing the way the court works mm -hmm. 
XYZ. So they they posed the question to Pete Buttigieg, who has in the past mentioned that he might be supportive of expanding the Supreme Court. Mayor Buttigieg, you have signaled that you'd be open to the idea of expanding the court. Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg suggested leaving the court as it is, saying, quote, nine seems to be a good number. And in fact, she said if the number of justices is increased, quote, it would make the court appear partisan. It would be one side saying when we're in power, we're going to enlarge the number of judges to have more people who will vote the way we want them to. Is Justice Ginsburg wrong? Well, if all we did was change the number of justices, then I agree with her that that could be the consequence. What I've called for is not only reforming the number of justices on the bench, but structural reform so that some of the justices are not appointed through a partisan process. We cannot allow the Supreme Court to continue to become one more political battlefield as we are seeing today. And the time has come for us to think bigger, not just reforming the makeup of the court, as America, by the way, has done several times in our history, but also remember that the founders gave us the power to amend the Constitution for a reason, and we shouldn't be afraid to use it. It's not something you do lightly or quickly, but when it comes to something like Citizens United, which holds that corporations have the same political soul as people, and that spending money to influence an election is the same thing as writing an op-ed to your local paper, we need a constitutional amendment to clear that up and protect our democracy. Very true. So that ends up sort of bringing in the issue of campaign finance, but first Joe Biden is going to uh, lose his shit about expanding Supreme Court. <laughs> I do want to come to you on this. President Trump has said that the only reason Democrats want to expand the court is they want to try and catch up. You have called any expansion of the court a bad idea, adding we will live to rue that day. Do you agree with President Trump on that? I agree with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. That's what I agree <laughs> even, with. What opioid is he on? The deal with Citizens United is pass a constitutional amendment I introduced 25 years ago saying that only public money can be spent in elections, period. Not private money, not billionaires, not money from special interests, period. That's the way to amend the Constitution and deal with that. In addition to that, if in fact, look, the Democrats stood up against the man I revere, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He wanted to expand the court but they were wise enough to understand that whoever then is a the majority will have the ability to abuse it and it will lose its legitimacy and there are three equal branches of government the it says the president shall nominate the senate shall dispose the senate shall make that decision not the president he can nominate this that's why it's so important we must win back the united states senate this time out and thank that's you why as, 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 as you all look at it up here in New Hampshire and around the world, excuse me, around the country, you have to ask yourself, who is most likely to help get a senator elected in North Carolina, Georgia? Who can win Florida, Pennsylvania, Minnesota? Who can do that? Because it is important. Because you've got to be able to win those. But you can. I, I agree. But here's the point. You've got to be able to. You've got to be able to not just win. You've got to bring along a United States Senate or this becomes moot. He's right. Very true. <laughs> it was a great point. It's the most important point, And yeah. it's the because it's it's the entire fucking thing becomes moot from top yep. to bottom. Yep. So now Tom Steyer um, picks it up. And for the for the man who has self-appointed him, him as the person to, to shape the message, yeah. he should have been saying this from the very beginning mm -hmm. about the fucking Senate. But here's when he decides to bring it up. I want to bring you in on this because you have claimed that when it comes to the Supreme Court, you have said Republicans have been cheating. Sure, they've been cheating. 
Look, what we saw Mitch McConnell do, not just in the Supreme Court with Merrick Garland, but across the board with federal judges, was refuse to allow President Obama's picks to be considered. That's why Mr. Trump has appointed so many federal judges, because in fact, the Republicans refuse to allow President Obama to get his due. And honestly, we're sitting here talking about, do you have a litmus test? We all have the litmus test. Everybody on this row feels exactly the same way about a woman's right to choose. Everybody on it's this true. row feels exactly the same way on, on gun control. Every it's single true. one in this row feels the same way. There's something else Which going on. Which is why on. we didn't put it in. Uh -huh. These Republicans are in control. <laughs> They're stacking the court for a generation with young right-wing radicals, and we've watched it happen, and the question is, what are we going to do about it? There is That's where we are in the United States. Try and, and interrupt him. Is, he will not be interrupted. Biden's right. We have to go win a huge victory this year, and we're in trouble. And that's so what you should have been saying, Tom. Be, look at these yeah. people. Instead Who of saying impeach Trump for the last the two years and spending all your and money. Let me say this. We have not said one word tonight about race. Not one uh, word. Boy. Are you kidding me? We have the most diverse party. We have a very diverse country. We have a very diverse party. The heart and soul of this party is diversity, black people, Latinos, AAPI people, Native Americans, and white people. But for goodness sakes, pull it together. This, we're talking about something different. The question we have is, how are we getting that diverse group of people to the polls? What are we saying? Everybody on this stage feels the same way about a woman's right to choose and economic justice. The question is, how do we beat Trump? How do we take down these Republicans? And the answer is, we've got to show we can take them down on growth, job creation, the economy. We send them packing, and then we get all of The only way you can send them the packing is to Steyer, get the fucking Senate, Tom. Yeah. So like Julie said, why are you spending all your fucking money in the past two years talking about impeach Trump it wouldn't have mattered no nope. there doesn't matter who sits there Mitch McConnell is the president you yep. should have gone down to Kentucky yep. and in fact you should have moved your entire family yep. relocated to <laughs> Kentucky until you were an official resident of Kentucky yep. and then you should have ran for senator in Kentucky yeah exactly that's what you should have done and, be and then Mitch McConnell would be gone and why is it Mike Bloomberg paying people to do he Mike Bloomberg has enough money you just sparked a great idea I just yeah. had an amazing idea Mike Bloomberg should literally bankroll, let's say five. Let's just take five. Yeah, let's five. take five. Five, five, five people to run. Do their campaigns. Pay for them to move. Pay for them to live. He's got totally enough money. Give them a salary. Put the family up in each of these states That's and have them run for Congress. illegal, but he could, Is it? he could bankroll people's campaigns that are already living there that are going to run. He could... Definitely, it, Bloomberg and Tom Steyer should be making, if they really care about the country and not their own fucking ego and their own personal gain, they should be focusing their efforts on winning back and maintaining the control in the Senate. Mm -hmm. All of these things are moot, just like Joe Biden said, if you don't have the Senate. And once you do, and if you have it indefinitely because these people have decided to put their money behind maintaining that mm -hmm. majority, we could have every federal judge we fucking want. Right. After that, it goes from the Supreme Court into a related subject, which is criminal justice reform. Mm -hmm. And they asked Pete Buttigieg an important question about his home state of Indiana and the city in which he was mayor, the number of black people arrested. Yeah, on his, on his watch. Yeah. I want to 
to turn now to criminal justice. Mayor Buttigieg, under your leadership as mayor, a black resident in South Bend, Indiana, was four times more likely to be arrested for marijuana possession than a white resident. Now, that racial disparity is higher than the rest of the state. In fact, it's higher than the rest of the nation, and that disparity increased in South Bend after you took office. When talking about the problem on national terms, you've called it, quote, evidence of systemic racism. But you were mayor for eight years, so weren't you, in effect, the head of the system? And how do you explain that increase in black arrests under your leadership? Well, the reality is, on my watch, drug arrests in South Bend were lower than the national average, and specifically to marijuana, lower than in Indiana. But there is no question that systemic racism has penetrated to every level of our system, and my city was not immune. I took a lot of heat for discussing systemic racism with my own police department. But we've got to confront the fact that there is no escaping how this is part of all of our policies. Earlier, we were talking about opioids. And thankfully, America has come to a better understanding about the fact that opioid addiction is best understood as a medical problem. But there were a lot of people, including a lot of African-American activists in my community, who have made the very good point. It's great that everybody's so enlightened about drug policy now when it comes to opioids, but where were you when it came to marijuana? Where were you when it came to the crack epidemic in the 1990s? That is one of the reasons why I am calling for us as a country to take up those reforms that end incarceration as a response to possession and make sure that we legalize marijuana and when we do it, do it retroactively. You didn't answer the question, motherfucker. <laughs> no, no. Answer at the all. question. Incarceration, at all. Disproportionately of black and brown Americans where the incarceration did far more harm. Right. Want to go back to the yeah, right. um, How do you explain the increase in black arrests in yeah. South Bend? How do you explain it? Why did you fire the fire chief? Position. Why did you fire the <laughs> police chief who are both you black? Why? Was lower no, there was the an increase. The year before you were in office, it was lower. Once you became in office in 2012, that number went up. In 2018, the last number year that we and you fired for, the black police chief and the black up. fire chief, yeah. motherfucker. And one of the I strategies mean, strategies that our community adopted was to target when there were cases where there was gun violence and gang violence, which was uh, yeah. slaughtering so many in our community burying teenagers, disproportionately black teenagers. We adopted a strategy that said that drug enforcement would be targeted in cases where there was a connection to the most violent group or gang. Yeah, you were going, you, their drug arrests went up for These sure, even though he's changing his tune now. So are all of the things that need to change in order for us to prevent violence and remove the effects. He doesn't of have a good track record when it comes to criminal justice and race. He just doesn't. But from our he economy, doesn't. From health, from housing, and from our democracy itself. He just doesn't. He just doesn't. I and mean, it's sorry. The truth. And if and it and I'm sorry, but it's going to haunt him, and it he deserves for it to haunt him. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't looked into the to the situation where he fired the black police chief there, please do because it's disturbing and. He unfortunately is going to have to have that as part of, mm -hmm. you know, his legacy. He did it. He knew that 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 police officers in that in that uh, department were calling the police chief N word and he fired the police chief. Right. So right. you look into it. Right. So now they pose the question about criminal justice reform to Elizabeth Warren. Senator Warren, is that a substantial answer from Mayor Buttigieg? No. Exactly. <laughs> it's like she was eating. She, she fell asleep. It's like she was eating dinner. No. No. You have to own 
Let me put facts. my fork and knife down. Hold and on. It's important to own up to the facts about how race has totally permeated our criminal justice system. You know, for the exact same crime, study after study now shows that African Americans are more likely than whites to be detained, to be arrested, to be taken to trial, to be wrongfully convicted, and to receive harsher sentences. We need to rework our criminal justice system from the very front end on what we make illegal all the way through the system and how we help people come back into the community. But we cannot just say that criminal justice is the only time we want to talk about race specifically. We need to start having race conscious laws. Yeah. Housing, for example. I have a great housing plan to build more housing in America, but understand it was the policy of the United States of America to discriminate against African Americans and people, uh, any other people of color for buying homes until 1965. You can't just repeal that and say, okay, now everything is even. It's not. We need race conscious laws in education, in employment, in entrepreneurship to make this country a country of opportunity for everyone, no matter the color of their skin. God, I mean, come on. So unlike Bernie, who we, who we did say talks in a lot of like concepts yes. and rhetorical questions and rhetorical plans, mm-hmm. she actually has a housing plan. So mm-hmm. when she says things like, you know, it doesn't just make everything even, we need to rework the system, mm-hmm. she has an actual plan right. for it. Right. However, Andrew Yang does lay down the smackdown <laughs> when he says you can't just right. legislate away these problems, and he's right. With, with respect... With, with respect, you can't regulate away racism mm-hmm. with a whole patchwork of laws that are race-specific. What we have to Boom. do is heed mm-hmm. the writings of Martin Luther King, whose birthday we just celebrated. He said that capitalism forgets that life is social, and what he was championing was a guaranteed minimum income for all Americans of $1,000 a month or more that would end up reshaping our economy in communities of color, make it so that black net worth is not 10% of white net worth in this country which is the most important number of them all that's right we can't regulate that away through any other means except by putting money directly correct in the hands of african americans and latinos and people of color to allow businesses to actually flourish and grow in those communities the only way that will happen is if black and latino consumers have buying power and that is where we have to move as a country that's right. And us, the two of us. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I know we're obsessed with Andrew Yang and I know that I'm materialistic and mercenary as they come and that speaks directly to me. And I know probably most of our 14 listeners don't even need $1,000 a month and are mm-hmm. like, who cares? Even if you just think about moving, take Iowa. It's 90% white. You know why it's 90% white? Because probably most people can't afford to even move there. Do you know how expensive it is to move? Even just the... Having a thousand dollars a month would allow people to move the fuck out of Southern California, mm-hmm. to move out of these big cities. It costs so much to move. You have to, even if you mm-hmm. make your whole family move you, moving out of state is incredibly hard yeah. because you have to have a truck drive you there mm-hmm. and you have to have a deposit beforehand. Mm-hmm. I just feel like the thousand dollars a month would allow even the country to just even out more instead right. of these hyper populated areas yeah. and then these completely unpopulated open areas that are dying with no commerce no trade people sitting in their homes doing opioids shopping on amazon yep 
Yeah, you're absolutely right. Because you could go, oh, now I could save for a couple months, get a couple grand together, whatever. I'll go to Boise, Idaho. I'll move there. Yeah. Maybe I'll start a business. Maybe I'll whatever. Who knows? But you're right. Your people are stuck and stagnant and can't move and are stuck in the prison of the horrible, shitty cycle of their three jobs, if only and just to keep a roof over their head yeah and they can't even afford to just get into a cheaper area yeah because yeah. they can't they're living with their mom you they have, have bad credit or you you have terrible credit you can't move right you you, you can't you're you're you are imprisoned he's a thousand percent right no pun intended when it's all about money in the pocket will give so many people the freedom to make to make advantageous life choices and just give them that little push to get it going. There are people living in Southern California where there's three and four generations. We're not even kidding. Four generations of, of families living in a house. It'll be a mother, yeah, right, right, her right, two right, kids, right. and then her kids have kids, right. and then those kids have right. kids. It's like, literally. Right. I do feel like Elizabeth Warren kind of listens to him. Remember when they were at the debate and she's like, I'm reading your book and I feel like because she said I'm or, reading your book. Oh, oh, I do think that or sh that she's reading his book, too. Oh, and okay. I think that he I think that because she's so incredibly um, numbers based and consumer based yes. and money based. I do think that she listens to him and I think she'll see the logic in it. And I do think that Elizabeth Warren, um, when she becomes the next president, I'm just getting and went <laughs> like that. She's she's hip to what he's saying more than anyone else would be on that stage. I would love that. I wish she would take him as her VP as we both do, as you know. Mm -hmm. Okay. So here's uh, Bernie Sanders addresses the criminal justice question as well. We have a racist society from top to bottom impacting healthcare, housing, criminal justice, education, you name it. And clearly, this is an issue that must be dealt with. But in terms How? of criminal justice, what we have got to do <laughs> is understand the system is broken, is racist. We invest in our young people in jobs and education, not more jails and incarceration. We're not going to have any money we to invest because it's all going to be in Medicare for all. Drugs, which has disproportionately impacted African-Americans, Latinos, and Native Americans. We end private prisons and detention centers in America. Bernie, I appreciate we, what you're saying. And, excuse me. We Tom, also, bug it. People don't know this. Tonight in America, 200,000 people are in jail without having been convicted of anything. That's right. 200,000 people. Insane. Because they can't Insane. afford the 500 bucks for bail they need to get out of jail that is outrageous we're gonna end cash bail guess okay, what they'd see. have a thousand dollars if f andrew yang that's was president right. they would right. have that thousand they'd be like oh sweet i just got the thousand i'm coming to get you out of jail yep. it's that's a perfect fucking example of proving that point i thought it on the debate i thought it again <laughs> just now i think it every time i go well they'd have the thousand yep they'd have the thousand and but that's just a horrific breathtaking number horrific and thought and horrific prisons in general i mean we can yeah we don't have time right now but yeah they need to go so then it goes on to the to, they continue the conversation about race and income inequality and we're gonna include um elizabeth warren again because we're gonna basically put it in every single debate she says it in every debate we've now heard it 19 times we're gonna play it every time you know, I'm glad to stand on this stage with my fellow Democrats who talk about how important the black community is, at least at election time. 
year after year after year, election after election after election. Democrats go to people in the black community and say, boy, we really care about these issues. Racism is terrible. We all want to do something. And then somehow, the problem just seems to keep getting worse. Well, I think it's time we have real concrete plans that are going to make a difference in people's lives. I proposed a two-cent wealth tax. And let me tell you just one of the things we can do with a two-cent wealth tax. I want that tax. <laughs> I want it so bad. Million Americans. So and because African-Americans have to borrow more money to go to college, uh, borrow more money while they're in college and have a harder time paying it back when they get out, that one law is going to help close the black-white wealth gap for people with student loans by about 20 points. We aren't making a difference in America. We're saying to the rich folks, you keep your money, and the rest of us will talk about racism, but not really do anything. I think the time for that is over. I'm ready to get in this fight and really make a change. Okay. And then here's Good. Andrew Yang speaking, <laughs> speaking to it as well. The median African-American household net worth is projected to be zero by 2053. Things are not getting better for people of color. If anything, they're getting worse because we're in the process of eliminating the most common jobs in our economy. It's something of an economic unnatural disaster. And who suffers most in a natural disaster? People of color, people with lower levels of capital and access to opportunity and education. And while I know we love to champion education here as Democrats, only 33% of Americans are going to attend college, lower percentage of African Americans. There is no way we can prevent this tsunami from wiping out African American net worth unless we put straight cash into their hands sometime between now and 2053, and it's not just them it is truck drivers it is retail clerks it is call center workers it is accountants it is bookkeepers we are in the midst of the greatest economic transformation in the history of our country and it's going to hit black people the hardest we have to stop nibbling at the edges and actually start solving the real problem we've been getting it's podcasters it's- <laughs> <laughs> he's right i mean he's what right. can you even say you know it's it's horrifying like- so now they go they go into the discussion of campaign finance and Bloomberg, who's not there, who doesn't need to be there. He's spending uh, double the highest person. $200 million. And, and that's double the the highest person spent spending, which is Bernie. Mm. So and he's going to even double that. So whatever whatever state they're going in to whatever primary right now, they're in New Hampshire. He's blasting the airwaves with his right. dumb fuck commercials. Right. So it becomes to the uh poses the question about campaign finance in terms of Bloomberg. So Elizabeth Warren is the first one to answer. Questions from Apple News and tonight, including many about a candidate who's not on the stage uh, tonight, but it is in this race, and that is former Mayor Michael Bloomberg of New York. And this question came in from Nashville, Tennessee. It says, billionaire Michael Bloomberg has entered the race and just got the endorsement of a former Trump Navy secretary. Why do you think you are a better position than Bloomberg to be Trump, Senator Warren? Look, I don't think anyone ought to be able to buy their way uh, into a nomination or to be president of the United States. I don't think any billionaire ought to be able to do it, and I don't think people who suck up to billionaires in order to fund their campaigns ought to do it. I heard everyone here talking about, as Democrats, we all want to overturn Citizens United because we want to end this unlimited spending. Yeah. 
except everyone on this stage, except Amy and me, <laughs> is either a billionaire or is receiving help from PACs that can do unlimited spending. So if you really want to, to, to live where you say, then put your money where your mouth is and say no to the PACs. Look, I think the way we build We're a looking democracy at you, Bernie. going forward <laughs> is not billionaires reaching in their own pockets or people sucking up to billionaires. The way we build it going forward is we have a grassroots movement funded from the grassroots up. That's the way I'm running this campaign. If you think it's the right way to run a campaign, go to ElizabethWarren.com and pitch in five bucks. Because understand this. Our democracy hangs in the balance. If we have to fund through billionaires, I'm going to do it, and then I'm going to block them from my email so they can't <laughs> they can't, can't inundate me. Yeah, it's too much it. emails. It's too many emails. It's like for sure. You know, please. And then so now Bernie Sanders addresses because that was a little shady to Bernie Sanders because he does right. use PACs, right. political action committees, which they are allowed unlimited donation amounts. Right. So and you and it's essentially dark money because you don't know who they are and you don't know what they want. Right. And he is taking that money. So he addresses that and then further shades onto Pete Buttigieg. Mayor Bloomberg has said we need evolution, not revolution, taking you on directly. Yeah, well. well, you know, <laughs> it's a funny thing. There are millions of people who can desire to run for office. But I guess if you're worth $60 billion and you could spend several hundred million dollars on commercials, you have a slight advantage. That is nonsense. What we have got to do is have a nation in which we not only overturn Citizens United, we move to public funding of elections. In terms of public, in terms of money and politics, all right? Our campaign, and I am enormously proud of this, Unlike some of the folks up here, I don't have 40 billionaires, Pete, contributing to my campaign. <laughs> Unlike some people, Pete, specifically you. <laughs> coming from Wall Street and all the big money interests. What we do have is we have now over 6 million contributions from 1.5 million people averaging $18.50 a contribution that is unprecedented in the history of American politics. If we want to change America, you're not going to do it by electing candidates who are going out to rich people's homes begging for money. The way we're going to do it is build a mass movement of working people who are prepared to stand up, not take money from these billionaires, not take money from Wall Street, but stand up to the drug companies in Wall Street. And if you want to be part of that political revolution, Bernie Sanders not <laughs> All of them. It became like the joke of yeah. the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So now Pete Buttigieg responds to Bernie's shade. We are going into the fight of our lives. Donald Trump, according to news reports, and his allies raised $25 million today. We need to go into that fight with everything that we've got. Now, I've been very clear. 
on both my record where I have sued pharmaceutical companies and what I'm campaigning for that includes raising wages Red hot. and <laughs> raising taxes on corporations and the wealthy. And as the only person on this stage who is not a millionaire or a billionaire, I know a thing or two about building a movement because mayor of South Bend, Indiana is not exactly an establishment fundraising powerhouse. We are here. Okay. We are here without constantly with that. corporate packs because hundreds of thousands of people went to yes, peteforamerica.com <laughs> contributed to this campaign and let me say something else. If we want to bring about any of the changes that everyone is talking about so elegantly up here. We need to put together the majority that can decisively defeat Donald Trump. And in order to do that, we need a politics that is defined not by who we reject, but how we bring everybody into the fold. Mm -hmm. And if you are low income or if you're able to contribute a lot, if you've always voted Democrat or if you're an independent or even a Republican who's just sick of looking your kids in the eye and trying to explain this White House, we need you to join us right now. I will not pursue politics by telling people they can't be at our side if they're not with us 100% of the time. This is a time for addition, not rejection, for belonging not exclusion oh god billionaires you belong super crazy huge corporate companies you belong yeah we're not gonna exclude you you're I excluded mean, you're excluded get and we're out excluded. of here god so then they move on to climate change wrapping it up so they ask a specific question about farmers about a bill that went through which we found interesting so uh bernie sanders voted no and they go to him first I want to turn to climate change and jobs here in America. President Trump just signed the United States-Mexico-Canada agreement. Many call it an updated NAFTA. But it does include incentives to make cars here in North America, and it does open Canadian markets for American dairy farmers. Senator Sanders, as we sit here in New Hampshire tonight, both New Hampshire Senators Maggie Hassan and Senator Gene Shaheen supported this. They voted yes, calling it a real win for workers and for farmers. You voted no because you said you believe it takes us back years on climate. Were the senators from New Hampshire wrong? Yes. <laughs> nice one. <laughs> I mean, it's a disagreement. Again, let me put my fucking knife uh, down. Let me talk. Let me. If dinner. you look at every environmental group in this country, uh, including the Sunrise Organization, we're so proud to have their support because we have introduced the most comprehensive climate change proposal I think ever offered by a presidential candidate. Which will never pass. What they are saying, what the environmental groups are saying, we're simply exporting uh, fossil fuel emissions to Mexico. There is not one word in that trade agreement that deals with climate change. And I don't know how in 2020 you can do that. Second of all, there is, in terms of outsourcing of jobs, a major crisis in this country. Nobody believes that under this Trump trade agreement that they will not be continued and significant outsourcing of jobs into low-wage Mex uh, Mexico where workers are paid, in some cases, less than $2 an hour. So I think the right vote was to vote against that agreement. I don't apologize for that. You never do. So now they take it to Elizabeth Warren, who v voted yes Mm -hmm. Senator Warren, you voted yes as well. Yes, I did. And I'll tell you why. Because there are a lot of farmers around this country that are really hurting because of Donald Trump's trade policies. There are a lot of workers who are hurting because they can't get enforcement of any workers' rights. 
So this NAFTA provision, after a lot of negotiation with Democrats, uh, Senator Sherrod Brown helped make it a whole lot better. This makes things somewhat better for workers and for farmers. And when I see a law that makes things somewhat better for hardworking people in this country, I say, I'll sign up for that, and then I'll get up tomorrow morning and I'll start working hard for a better trade deal on climate, a better trade deal that has a basic coherence to it. Everyone wants to get to the American market. We should be raising standards on climate around the world to get access to our market. I find it absolutely fucking annoying that they will constantly talk about, and Elizabeth Warren included, will constantly, and Andrew Yang, will constantly talk about Facebook, Google, the tech companies, and when it comes to farming and it comes to trade, they never talk about Monsanto. Monsanto merged with Bayer. It's one of the largest corporations in this country and worldwide. They absolutely own the food industry. They own the farming industry, and it never comes up. Where are their taxes? Where are their fees? They should be paying for whatever trade deficit, whatever soybeans are sitting on someone's farm. Monsanto should be paying for that. Great point. And they never, ever bring it up. You're absolutely right. So irritating. You're absolutely right. So the last question they posed to everyone when they were closing out the debate was about child poverty, which we don't care about. Just kidding. (laughs) So we're just going to use, again, Andrew Yang, because he he sums it up. He makes us feel good. And we did find out right before this podcast that Andrew Yang is is finding a problem fundraising right and he may not be able to continue campaigning so i'm gonna donate when when we get off of here even mm-hmm. though i'm pressed for time <laughs> and um, <laughs> because i want him to continue because like bernie who moved the needle last time mm-hmm. andrew yang is moving the needle for a lot of people and right. i want that to continue yes so we're gonna end the our last debate clip with andrew yang Welcome back to our debate. Time now for a final question. Each of you will answer it in turn. We'll start with Mr. Yang. And the question is this. According to the Children's Defense Fund, it's been more than 20 years since child poverty was directly addressed in a presidential debate. The year was 1999. The question was our friend and that's there. That's not me. Right now, the late Cokie Roberts. Old Cokie Roberts, the ghost of Cokie Roberts, <laughs> fucked up the, the mic. Cokie loved the New Hampshire primary, and she asked the candidates in this <laughs> Republican debate, how will we overcome <laughs> the scandal of one quarter of American preschoolers living in poverty in the richest nation on earth? Today, nearly one in five American preschoolers are still living below the poverty line, even though we've had 10 straight years of economic growth. What does that say to you about where America is today and what we need to do about it? Says we have a population problem. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> George, we're in the midst of the most extreme winner-take-all economy in the history of our country. And unfortunately, that extremity is just going to reach unprecedented heights as technology is getting stronger, smarter, more capable all the time. And most of us are not. Most adults feel happy if we stayed about the same on any given day. So if we want to alleviate child poverty, we need to put money directly into the hands of families, particularly single parents. 40% of American children today are born to single moms. 90% of single parents are single moms. And right now, we have fallen into this trap where we have allowed the market to tell us what we are all worth. And what does the market value my wife Evelyn at or stay-at-home parents around the country? Zero. Caregivers taking care of ailing loved ones, like Carl Christensen in Iowa, zero. Volunteers and activists in our communities trying to do something positive, zero. 
coaches and mentors helping our kids, zero. Most artists, sorry artists, but it's true. <laughs> Zero. Yeah, that's true. Increasingly local journalists, which is wiping out our ability to have a functioning democracy because you can't vote on something if you actually don't have any news coverage. The mission in this campaign has to be for us to disentangle economic value and human value, say they are not the same things, and make this case to our fellow Americans that we each have intrinsic value as citizens, as human beings, and as owners and shareholders of the richest country in the history of the world. He sums it up well. He does sum it up well. I thought that this was probably my most favorite debate as far as being feisty and fun and like for them to get all riled up and stuff. I really did enjoy that. We're whittling down. I can't wait till we get to the la like the top three. You know what I mean? I, I did appreciate Tom Steyer more than I ever had because he was us on, in this debate rather than seeing him as a person who's actually running for president. I really did see him as the guy who's like on the couch being like, you guys, come on, let's go. Come on. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Which I enjoyed. And um, I do appreciate what Andrew Yang said here. And ultimately, it's just like, yes, let's vote for who we want from our gut. So whoever, whoever that is. And but also, you know, this really does illustrate you have to remember the Senate, the Senate, the Senate, the yes. Senate. And that pretty much sums up the debate highlights. So that's it for the fifth ever Democratic Debate episode <laughs> of Dumb Gay Politics. Yay. Thank you guys for listening. If you haven't signed up for our Patreon podcast yet, go over to patreon.com slash dumbgaypolitics and you can choose to pledge $1 for one podcast a week or $2 for two podcasts a week. Um, we have some free ones posted so you can listen and just see if you like it. And you know what? Join with a friend and share your password. We don't care. That's what we do. <laughs> and uh, we also would like to let any super PACs listening know we will take your donation and your money. <laughs> you may, if you're a corporation, you may sign up for the Patreon. We will not discriminate against you, but we will be mad at you if you try and do that with our democracy. And next week, we will be back with a regular episode for those of you that just want that regular weed. Regular weed. It'll be regular Australian weed next week, okay? Shall we, Paula? And as always, it's been real and it's been fun. But mostly it's been gay and it's been dumb. And debatey. Very debatey. How'd you do, I? See you've met my faithful hand in hand. He's just a little broad dying because when you knocked, he thought you were the candy man. Don't get strung up by the way I look Don't judge a book by its cover I'm not much of a man by the light of day But by night I'm one hell of a lover I'm just a sweet transvestite From transsexual Transylvania Let me show you a rhyme and maybe play you a sign. You look like you're both pretty groovy. Or if you want something visual that's not too abysmal, 
We could take in an old Steve Reeves movie. I'm glad we caught you at home. Could we use your phone? We're both in a bit of a hurry. Right. We'll just say where we are, then go back to the car. We don't want to be any worry. Well, you got caught with a flat world. How about that? Well, babies, don't you panic. By the light of the night, it'll all seem all right. I'll get you a satanic mechanic. I'm just a sweet transvestite. From transsexual Transylvania. Stay for the night. Right. Or maybe a bite. Right. I could show you my favorite obsession. I've been making a man with blonde hair and a tan. And he's good for relieving my tension. I'm just a sweet transvestite from transsexual Transylvania. A sweet transvestite From transsexual Transylvania So, come up to the lab And see what's on the slab I see you shiver with anticipation But maybe the rain is really to blame. So I'll remove the cause. <laughs> But not the symptom. <laughs> 